With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show where we talk with accomplished chess players, authors, and personalities about their lives, their careers, and how to improve at chess. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters and by Chessable.com. Hey everyone, just a quick programming note that there will be no perpetual chess the week of Monday, June 22nd. My computer died, which is making things difficult in terms of recording interviews. I'm also having surgery on Friday. They tell me it's minor, but nonetheless, I thought it would be a good time for me to take a week and recuperate. So can't wait to get back out there, as they say. And also wanted to let you guys know we have a book recap pod coming in between of Genesis Anko's The World Champions I Knew. So hopefully that will hold you guys over and I will catch you guys soon. Meanwhile, please enjoy this interview with I Am Willie Hendricks. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have a guest that I am really excited to talk to this week. He is a trainer and a strong chess player and an award-winning author, first of all, of the uh, of uh, Move First, Think Later, the 2012 English Chess Federation Book of the Year. And now this, which I've read, and I, I greatly enjoyed that book. But th- and now this year, he's out with On the Origin of Good Moves, a brand new book from New in Chess Publishing that I enjoyed even more than the first one. Um, he's also a a bit of um he's he's interested in the fields of aging in chess and he's a bit of a late bloomer in the chess world. Uh, he hit his peak rating around the age of forty three, and now he, here at the age of I believe fifty four, we'll ask him in a second. Uh, he's back near his peak, so that is something I am curious to talk about as well. But without further ado, let's bring him in. I am Willie Hendricks. How are you? Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm doing fine. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Yeah, I'm really excited. As you, you know, as I've mentioned to you um, bef- uh, when we were emailing, I ask for book recommendations almost every week, and uh, Move First, Think Later has been recommended many times, and just not not by design. I hadn't gotten around to reading it until we lined up this interview. So 
I first read that and greatly enjoyed it and really enjoyed the style of the book, as we'll talk about. And then I dug right into your new one. And it's fun to read them right back to back. And there's a lot of uh, interesting um, theories that you posit. And I love the chess history. And of course, the puzzles are cool. So my mm-hmm. first question for you, Willie, is you've got a unique presentation style in in these books where you have a series of puzzles and then prose that sort of ties together the puzzles. So was that something that you came up with from another, like, where did you draw the inspiration for that uh, format? Yeah, well, I, I haven't seen it uh, uh, in anyone else's book before. Uh, it's mainly because I think uh, when you when you have a, a piece of chess, a fragment of chess in uh, in your text, and you have below it, uh, uh, directly below it, you have the moves and maybe some explanations. Then uh, the reader hasn't hasn't got the pos- possibility to to think for himself. So that's what I really think it is is a pity. So uh, and I do think it's important. Uh, for the reader to first uh, look at the position, because if you start looking at the, uh, if you don't look for yourself before, you can't, uh, uh, if you already see the moves below the diagram, it's too late. You cannot form your own opinion. So uh, that's why I, I, I chose this this format to to give the reader the, the, the opportunity to, to first think for himself. It's, it's maybe, uh, you can compare it with nowadays uh, if you uh, if you're gonna watch a, a live tournament. We, uh, we in these times we have of course uh, uh, plenty of live tournaments. Uh, if you if you uh, if you tune in with some broadcasting, you uh, directly see uh, the diagram, uh, the the, the uh, game moving, uh, the game uh, in progress, and a computer evaluation. Well, as soon as you see, see something like that, it's already almost impossible for yourself to to uh, to make your own uh, to have your own uh, ideas about uh, the position so that's why i chose chose this format for, for uh, because otherwise i think that the reader cannot uh, make up his own mind about the position uh, yeah, it makes sense. And I think I think it's a really, again, I think it's a really good format. And of course, you, you mentioned sort of the, the intersection of language and chess and sort of um, the way that they mix together where, um, I mean, that's sort of the thesis, not to not to bury the lead, but the, that's sort of um, the thesis of, of your writing um, is that you can't, sup- you the chess comes first and mm-hmm. the, the chess it takes primacy over the language and that's how it's presented in the book. So I think in that regard, it's a nice way to present it as well. Yeah. Uh, as you can see for, for, from the title for my first book, I'm a bit, I'm someone who likes to uh, uh, turn things upside down. So uh, the, the, to have the, uh, the exercises at the start of the, uh, at the start of a chapter, um, uh, is completely in line with that. Uh, most normal, most chess books have, uh, uh, well, first explain uh, uh, the topic, and then at the end of the chapter they have some exercises to uh, to test the if if if, uh, if the reader has uh, uh, well to have some sort of test at the end. Uh, so uh, this is a way of turning things upside down, and indeed this is this is a maybe you can call that a central. Uh, theme in, in, in my books, trying to, well, as the title says, move first, think 
later it's it's about order, the order in well in in thinking processes and indeed what comes first and this idea that uh, the chess comes first and maybe the 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 rationalizations come 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 later that well th this idea maybe we uh, we come to talk about it a bit more in detail that's that's the central in my first book but it also uh, returns in this this uh, new book yeah, I liked the line where you said you don't uh, make plans, you see plans. Um, yeah, that's already in the first book as well. And here yeah. it, it returns, yes. I think that's a, a, a vital point because uh, plan making is, is, is uh, well, there are a lot of books about making plans. And uh, uh, for me, it's... it's uh, it, uh, Well, how do you, uh, how do I explain this? Uh, uh, and it, there, are, there are really a lot of books who, who pre present it that way. And for me, uh, the planning is all is almost the same as the tactics part, and that's why I think those two things, which are normally uh, uh, two different worlds, uh, tactics and uh, strategy, they are more. Uh, well, I call it uh, extremes on a scale. So, uh, uh, just like uh, just uh, like I see uh, combinations, in in the same way I see plans. And I guess I'm not the only one. Uh, I I got a lot of well reactions on my book uh, from people who think well that that's indeed uh, the same way I do it. But somehow this ideas of the making of plans. Uh, well, it returns in a lot of books, and I guess in in this new book, I try to to look for where this this idea uh, comes from. Yeah, and I think um, a decent amount of listeners to this podcast will have read your first book and be familiar with the argument by uh, the the main argument presented. But I mean, even just beyond uh, hearing I am Hendrix talk about sort of the the thesis that that we come up with that we come up with moves in our head that the lang language and rules of thumbs are not as helpful as actually just assimilating patterns and recognizing moves. Um, but the puzzles themselves are great as well. So, I mean, it's, it's just well presented um, all around. Um, so you've been a trainer a long time and obviously you, you, I'm sure that book took you a couple years, the, the first book. Um, when, and you wrote about it even previously in 2009 in the uh, chess instructor's handbook, um, I believe it was called. So when did these sort of theories start to rattle around in your head, Willie? When did you start to think, I, I have a bit of a different approach than a lot of the stuff that I'm reading? Uh, well, it uh, has to do with my uh, with books I started reading at, at some point. Uh, uh, I studied philosophy, then uh, some years I uh, didn't do too much with it, but later on I get uh, a new some... Uh, intellectual inspiration by reading some books like uh, well uh, well known uh, books about uh, uh, psychology uh, evolutionary theory uh, books like uh, uh, which from Richard Dawkins and Stephen Pinker and well the well known the, the better popular science books uh, I, I guess you can call it like that you can call it uh, you can call them uh, like that um and I think that's this is that is one of the inspirations. But also in in my training sessions, uh, 
I slowly move to a, a different position and in, in move first, think later. I, I, I give this example, which is, uh, which is, was quoted by a lot of uh, people writing about my book because it, it was really, uh, uh, making some impression. It, it's uh, this example when the, 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 the trainer, which is me in this case, uh, asks uh, the students, well, uh, what, uh, what is this position about? What, what are the uh, characteristics? And then, of course, it always goes like that. Someone uh, raises his hands and says, well, I play this. I play this move. And then the trainer says, well, uh, yes, okay, uh, you start directly with your moves, but uh, tell, tell me something about the characteristics of the position. And, and I once had uh, some, some, uh, this, and, and this a similar experience, and then I already had the feeling myself that I wasn't being honest to the students. I thought, well, what, what this guy uh, tells me here is exactly, uh, exactly what I do as well. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, start with uh, listing all the uh, characteristics or the imbalances or how do you call it. So that was for me uh, uh, an important moment that I first realized, well, this is, this is not how it works. Uh, yeah, it really it really resonated with me. I'm I'm rated in the 2100s FIDE and I've noticed I've noticed that exact thing when you ask strong players if you give them a puzzle or something, they they often just they just know the position. They'll just say, "Oh, you know, in these positions you do this." And then you try to get them to explain it to you so that like if if you know, if you're missing some insight that helps you solve a puzzle, um, you try to get them to explain it, but often, as you say, they kind of have to backwards engineer like mm -hmm. what it is that that led them to the conclusion when really they just knew the move, um, which of course has all kinds of implications of uh, how you should study chess. But before we get to how you should study chess, which is something I'm also excited to talk to you about, I did want to, I mean, I, I did want to bring up this the one sort of sens sensitive topic about um, move first, think later, which is that in the in the uh, process of um, sort of uh, laying out your thesis, you talked about some other authors who present the material in sort of a um, a more verbal way, like uh, notably like Jeremy Silman and Karsten Hansen. And you you didn't present the most flattering picture of their book, so I think you may have ruffled a few feathers in the chess yeah. world with the way that uh, that you presented that. So, um, what was your thought process in terms of? Um, deciding to approach it that way and deciding to sort of be so blunt in terms of uh, how you evaluated some other chess uh, books? Yeah, well, I, I was afraid you were going to ask this question. <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, um, I think, uh, well, one, one first point is, I think if you, if you uh, publish a book, you, you stick your head out. That also goes for me. Uh, uh, you present your ideas; uh, others might not, may not uh, like them. So, every author has uh, uh, has this position. He brings his book out, and others might may not uh, be very friendly about it. And I had to deal with some something, some well, uh, some negative re reactions as well. But uh, okay, uh, uh, but uh, I'm I'm not gonna uh, specifically. Uh, uh, mentioned the, the, those some of those books, but uh, I bought those books as as a reader, and uh, I was expecting uh, uh, I, I expecting to uh, expected quite a lot of them. So uh, when I was a bit disappointed about some of these books, 
uh, I, uh, well, one thing which sometimes disappoints me is is the bit a, a bit a patronizing tone of some of books, or or maybe that they are, they, uh, in my view, they uh, try to simplify things and uh, they speak about uh, what what good chess consists of, of how to be a, a strong player. That's uh, uh, indeed what, what we talked about. Like uh, uh, just have a good have a good look at the position, and everything will. Uh, will show itself. Uh, and th this, uh, well, this was something uh, uh, I think the authors I criticized the most do, do uh, are part of this uh, category of, of, uh, uh, of, uh, of writers who, who uh, well, in my view, uh, who very much uh, I concentrate on this point on the on, on the, the what I call the look and you will see uh, attitude. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, if you have more to say, go on. No, no, uh, please. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just going to add. I I get where you're coming from, but I mean, again, I I agreed with the overall thesis of the book. I have to admit, I found it a little bit uncomfortable to read some of the criticisms at times. Um, because my personal opinion was I felt like they're generally, they're acting in good faith for the most part, trying to help people improve their chess. They, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe what they're doing actually isn't the best way to improve a chess, but they're, they're trying. And, and the, uh, the other primary point that, that struck me was that your book was, was different. I think your book was really good. Um, but yours was kind of a, from a unique angle. So you're kind of, um, you're you're bringing a fresh approach, so it's kind of natural. If I mean, I know you uh, you talk about evolution a lot in the um, in in your second book. Um, in terms of the evolution of chess books, yours was more of a break from the norm than the ones you were criticizing. So to me, it was natural that the others would sort of fall in one category. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, am I explaining but, myself well? Yeah, but maybe explain a bit more. What's what's uh, um, just uh, they I felt like you were criticizing the books, but they were sort of with the exception, of course, puzzle books. Um, that's sort of the way books uh have been written. If you go all mm -hmm. the way back to like logical chess, move by move, and Lasker's Manual of Chess, and uh, you know, these authors that come even before um, the authors that you criticized, it's sort of whether it's right or not, the the way that chess books generally yes, okay. had been written was using words to explain moves. Yeah, yeah, okay. They stand in a tradition. Well, it's uh, uh, for, for partly it's just co co coincidence that I uh, uh, bought these books uh, uh, and maybe and not some others. And okay, it's it's also uh, I I can imagine your 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 point, and I can uh, some may not like it. For me, it's. Uh, a way if I do, do not agree with books or I'm trying to make some fun of it and right. uh, okay maybe for for some uh, for some others it's a bit uh, it can be a bit too much but uh, okay I, I understand uh, yeah and for the point, record but, uh, I, 
Yeah. And for the record, I did love your book, but for me, it was like the first uh, move first, think later, I would give it four and a half stars just because it made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah. In the new book, I would give five stars because it had all of the great things and even more chess history, which I love the way that's woven in um, and <laughs> nothing that made me uncomfortable. So maybe that's my own thing. You know, like some people talk about, like, if you watch a show, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Curb Your Enthusiasm. But there's this idea called secondhand discomfort or like the, the, the British mm -hmm. office where like if if the protagonist of a show is in this situation that's very socially awkward and acting inappropriately, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it can make you me, feel, yeah. you know, it can yeah, make yeah, you okay. feel like you're the one doing it. But anyway, overall, it's a fantastic book. And I think the, thes the thesis is quite provocative. And generally, I, I agreed with it. But let's bring it to the new book. So, yeah, well, I can about the new book uh, there also may be some criticism but i i thought i'll play it safe now and they all long <laughs> dead so uh i guess yeah uh, I, I could see that yeah yeah you you um you you um you held your fire this time yeah. and uh I, yeah i think it again i think it paid off i don't think there was anything missing from from this book so you mentioned at the beginning that that you your initial goal when you sat down to write on the origin of good moves was to write a whodunit. Could you could you go explain that a little bit? I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, well, I hope I hope once to to write a chess book that is so uh, that has the uh, uh, the attractiveness of of, of a, uh, a, a, crim, a crim, how do you say it an, uh, a crime a, a, yeah. a crime novel uh, right uh, uh, of a whodunit. Uh, and I think the story I'm I'm telling is uh, quite uh, interesting. Uh, so I I played with the idea, but I couldn't really get uh, well. I just played with the idea. I I, I couldn't really make it work. So, uh, uh, and so yeah. as, as I admit in in the preface, it's it's maybe a bit too much for me as a writer to 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 write a, a, a crime and. A, yeah, who done it? And uh, you write who, your who books in it, English. Yeah, I write in English. Yes, but I uh, I hoped uh, I, I I do want uh, to to write entertaining books. Uh, that's that's uh, uh, very important uh, uh, for me to to. Uh, I think I I do like also to have the chess should be should be. Uh, um, well, I don't have complete games, but I like to focus on on uh, specific moments in in a game. So it's a bit. It already is a bit uh, reading for the couch, I would say, the, the sort of books I'm writing. But idea of uh, making a chess book that interesting that it almost is as a, a page turner as as a whodunit. Well, that that idea attracted me, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, not... it's of course very difficult. So that's why I gave. Uh, I gave the uh, already in the preface away who who did it in my opinion. Yeah. So, uh, and do you mind teasing? For, I mean, I remember, of course, but do you mind letting our listeners know uh, who did do it? Who <laughs> who yeah, changed well, that the most? <laughs> it was uh, Lasker, of course. But uh, yes, uh, Emmanuel but, uh, Lasker, which is contra. You were mainly pushing back. You call it the Great Steinitz hoax. So, without giving away too much of the material presented in the book, uh, could you explain the Great Steinitz hoax? Well, the, this this was uh, an idea by by another author, by uh, Cecil Purdy, an Australian uh, correspondence uh, world champion, I guess, uh, st uh, uh, who wrote this uh, an article with this title long ago. Uh, but his idea is a bit different from mine. But uh, his idea was that Lasker, uh, that's 
uh, all what we subscribe to uh, Steinitz, the ideas that they, that they were actually uh, inventions by Lasker. Uh, and I don't completely agree with this, or or maybe well, uh, maybe not at all agree with this. But <laughs> and there have have been some objections against Purdy's ID. But it's for sure that uh, Lasker made something very special out of. Uh, uh, out of Steinitz's ideas, and uh, I think what he especially did, he he, he took two some points who, who did that did play a role in in Steinitz's uh, uh, chess theory and made them very prominent. And uh, some of the main what I think are the main ideas of uh, uh, of Steinitz, he somehow smuggled away. And uh, Lasker was not the only one. Also, my uh, compatriot uh, Max Oewe also played his his role in this, uh, I guess. But uh, I think that's why we are left with an idea of uh, uh, what Steinitz, uh, Steinitz theorists consist of, which is a bit, bit strange. And uh, well, Lasker played a big role in this, I guess. That's my, uh, my uh, idea, because I couldn't... Uh, uh, well, Steinitz, of course, published his, his ideas around his book around 1880. And then the, the book of Lasker, which I think is uh, very important for uh, how we later uh, understood the, uh, Steinitz, that was uh, in 1926. So there's quite some years in between. And, but I couldn't find anything in between which, which made me think, well, there, there we have... Uh, there, there or the the uh, picture we have of Steinitz uh, uh, originated somewhere there. So I think Lasker is the main uh, candidate in his popular book, his manual, which is a uh, well, which is a very important book. Uh, he in in this book he has a complete history of chess, in a rather fantastic uh, story. It's it's a really. Uh, it's really a, what, what you can call a narrative. Uh, it's really a story uh, uh, with its heroes and its big ideas. And I think this is a very inf influential, has been a very influential piece of chess history writing. That's my opinion, but I'm mm -hmm. not completely sure, sure about it. But uh, um, And I think so. Uh, and... Uh, what Lasker also did is he, he created a, a bit of caricature uh, uh, of the chess before Steinitz. So he, he made Steinitz look like a complete break in, 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 in chess history. That's uh, Right. And you're saying the one of the primary theses of the book is uh, that chess, chess, the expansion of chess knowledge has been more linear. It hasn't been as characterized by sort of sudden jumps as it's traditionally depicted. Yeah. Um, so I was really impressed. I mean, I felt like you made a very compelling argument and again, just love the presentation and love the puzzles. Um, so you mentioned that you had a whodunit in mind, but when, when you sat down to write this book, how much of this thesis was formed? Did you, had you already gone through all these classics, all these Greco and G Anderson games? And had you, did you already have this impression in your mind that, that some of the great authors, um, uh, prior to you ranging from Richard Reddy to Kasparov had sort of misrepresented uh, where the um, advances in chess knowledge came? No, not all, not all. Uh, uh, the ma My main point about Steinitz, I always had this feeling with Steinitz that it's not uh, 
well, he's not my big hero. There's, there's something strange about this. This was already a, this was a starting point, but uh, some things uh, in years before, before I this I uh, well discovered is a big word, but I, I uh, noticed like for example that Anderson is is a much more interesting player than uh, the caricature that's often made of him, and. Uh, also, that Grego was such an interesting player who had so many uh, nice ideas. So these these things were later brought into the story, I guess. Uh, um, uh, so the, I ha already had the main idea, but uh, working on this book, I found some more things uh, that I thought well. Uh, traditional, the, the, the conventional view on chess history is not only a bit. Uh, flawed uh, regarding Steinitz, but it's a complete history which, with, uh, which somehow works uh, in the direction of Steinitz as, as uh, well, the great discoverer of, uh, of positional chess. Then you also have to, you have Filidor, who also already preludes on, uh, uh, on Steinitz. And that's why Greco has to be uh, some, somehow the counterpart of, of uh, of Philidor. So Greco, well, sometimes he, he is he, uh, he is praised, but well, for example, Erwes says about him uh, something like toying with pieces. That's uh, <laughs> what, what Erwes says about Greco. Um, so there were some details in the story that were later filled in. And uh, also, you're, you're, of course, Morphy, your, your countryman. Uh, yes. <laughs> he, he's also... Uh, at the time he was playing, he was uh, uh, put in a league with, with Anderson as a real uh, attacking romantic hero. But later on, because because I think of, of the Steinitz story, uh, they tried to uh, put him in, into the, this narrative with, uh, with Steinitz. So th that also Morphy should be somehow a positional player. So, uh, uh, well, at the time they thought. Uh, uh, well, they, they more had the idea. Well, we have uh, Anderson and and uh, Morphy who are the attacking heroes, and then comes Steinitz who who, uh, who uh, departs from that. Right, so, which is which is not not um, may may not necessarily be true. Um, so, I mean, I have so many questions uh, related to this. One thing, just before we we get to the questions, I think for for listeners who haven't checked out the book yet, I do think um, it it might help them frame things. That one thing you posit in the book as sort of a, a structure um, is that by tracing this evolution of chess history, you're also sort of tracing the um, the development of an individual as they learn about chess. So, at, at what point did that idea occur to you? Yeah, well, it's it's. Uh... The starting perspective of many uh, chess books that uh, the way the in, in the chess playing individual uh, develops and becomes a stronger player that's uh, that's uh, the same way as uh, the way uh, uh, chess history has developed so that's a very attractive uh, uh, perspective um, and uh, well because I disagree with what those authors think uh, the, the way uh, uh, the history has developed. I I've found it an inter interesting idea to look how it uh, if this perspective is still uh, useful if you look at this chess history from a different point of view. So, um, 
So uh, in my book, I, I start with this idea, with this, uh, well, the, the, uh, this what you can call the recapitulation theory, uh, this resemblance between individual and chess history. Uh, and I return to this at the end of the book. Uh, and in between, I'll, I'll look at the chess history and, uh, and develop a, a bit an alternative view with uh, different heroes and, and, and um, uh, different ideas about what happened. But I also try to uh, develop a completely different look at chess history at a more concrete level. Uh, which, you, uh, which, which is, of course, the, the, the more Darwinian perspective, uh, which tries to look at, uh, uh, at, at the motor of, of uh, progress in chess, to look at, at the, the concrete small bits of uh, chess knowledge, how, the, how, they, uh, uh, how, the, how they develop, how they are, are invented or discovered, and how they change and become more complicated. So these are two two storylines and and what what uh, connects them is this idea of uh, does this uh, chess history somehow uh, tells you something about your own uh, your own development and that's what i open the book with and it uh, in in the final uh, uh, chapters this this i question returns well uh, if we look at chess history from a different point of view what what does it tell the uh, player who wants to, who wants to improve yeah, and we'll we'll get to for sure. I want to talk about what what it tells people that want to improve. But just to give again a little more big picture perspective, I mean, you might trace the evolution of certain pawn breaks that we thought came later than they did. A certain pawn structure, the idea of trading off like a bad bishop in the French. There's lots mm -hmm. of just little nuggets that you found that maybe yeah. people didn't realize that were being done in the 19th century um, prior to to when certain people might have been credited with inventing them. Um, so, I mean, out of curiosity, I know it's, you've only published this book in the last couple months and you mentioned uh, with Move First, Think Later that of course the, it's an award-winning book. It's generally been uh, rightly well-received, but because of uh, the, the feathers that you ruffled, you may, you also uh, may have gotten a bit of blowback. What about with this book? Um, wh what sort of feedback have you gotten from people so far? Is there anyone that sort of fervently disagrees with what you've laid out in um in the on the origins of good moves no I, i'm still hoping for someone to uh, disagree <laughs> of course because uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity right so, no, <laughs> but also uh well uh, until now I, I there was a very positive review of of richard, richard james in 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 british yeah, I enjoyed that. British just news just news so that was for me very of course very nice to to read uh but uh I don't think it's it's bad if 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 there is some some uh, some discussion because uh, uh, well I'm I'm right I wrote this book for for uh, for a big audience well for everyone interested in in in, in chess uh, but you also have of course the uh, in chess the, the the history department of people who 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 know uh, who know very much about chess history. So well, I try to to write this book for everyone, also for for those who who know almost nothing about history, for maybe just the names like Morphy, uh, Staunton, and Steinitz, and that's all, uh, just players from the past. Uh, uh, so I try to uh, reach to the to a diverse audience, but also to those who who are very much uh, uh, busy with with uh, chess history, and I hope. Uh, 
of course, I hope that people may disagree with uh, with this this uh, in some respects new new vision on chess history. So uh, actually, I hope uh, to have some some uh, feedback from that uh, uh, that uh, part of uh, of the chess commu community as well. Uh, but until and now, well, it, as you said, it's only a few months uh, out, and I was ha very happy with the positive uh, reviews I had until now. But uh, I hope to. I think it's it's a book that that uh, asks for discussion, so I'm, I'm ho uh, hoping for uh, for that as well. Uh, okay. Not yeah, only and... from the perspective of bad publicity is also a good publicity, <laughs> but but because it's uh, I hope it's uh, it's interesting enough to uh, prove to to provoke people who, who disagree with me to to take it serious and and uh, and give their their point a point of view good that that's a mature viewpoint <laughs> glad to hear it um so yeah and speaking of richard james's review i read that when i was about a third of the way through your your new book before i'd finished it and he kind of he gave a spoiler about your opening chapter that i know a few people on twitter were excited to to hear your perspective and i was excited to get to that part and i i have to admit you you made it you made some very compelling points so i have to admit willie i'm one of these chess trainers i mean i train mostly um, more beginner oriented kids. So this may sort mm -hmm. of um, frame my perspective, but I'm one of the teachers you you talk about who always says, don't, you know, don't waste so much time. Don't spend studying openings. Don't waste so much time studying openings. Um, could you uh, share a little bit about uh, the, the thesis that, that you um, um, so convincingly laid out in uh, on the origin of good moves with regard to studying openings? Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, uh, it's uh, the one one thing. It's it's at the end of the book where where I try to draw parallels between uh, uh, the chess history and and the individual. And if you look at chess history, it's of course clear that uh, uh, studying openings uh, was a very important motor of of uh, uh, of development. And a lot of the books, uh, uh, a lot of the early books in in chess history were basically opening books, and all the discussions. Uh, uh, very uh, uh, well uh, about discussions in, in in the history of chess. Uh, you said something about me uh, uh, commentating on on other writers. Well, you've seen nothing yet until you <laughs> you see, you take a close look at this 19th century history because uh, people like Staunton and Steinitz they really made. Uh, well, I'm I'm really an amateur uh, compared <laughs> to them when it comes to uh, uh, to criticizing other uh, writers, but. Uh, a lot of these uh, vehement discussions were were mainly about uh, openings. So uh, I think that's a point of comparison. But um, well, I, I have uh, made some other points, which a bit also made in in my first book. But um, I recently, I, I uh, in in preparation for this this. Uh, this interview, I also uh, listened to uh, quite a few of your other podcasts and your previous guests, like uh, uh, I think Kara Christensen, uh, mm -hmm. the guy who, who became uh, uh, I am at a relatively late age. Yeah, right and, around your and age. And he I told something like also, well, uh, he said, uh, which, I, which I strongly agree with, well, for, for, most, for most people, is uh, you should do what you, you should study what you like most. Mm -hmm. uh, do what you like most, and that's of of course makes uh, much sense. Um, 
but I also, and I think it also has to do with the, the m today's possibilities of playing online, which makes uh, uh, studying openings very rewarding because uh, there really is a difference with the old days. When, when I grew up, uh, you had openings books uh, and you might uh, study them completely. And then uh, you had to wait for, uh, maybe in a half a year for, uh, for the opportunity to, uh, uh, to play this, uh, to play a line. Uh, but today, with all those online playing possibilities, uh, you can you can study an opening, uh, you can play it uh, in your online games, uh, look at them, uh, uh, look at uh, take a, a, another look at them and see how how uh, well uh, how you uh, did it work out well what you studied, or you can take a new look. So this fee this feedback relationship between. Uh, Studying and playing, I think, thanks to all this online playing possibilities, it has grown immensely. And I think that's a big difference with uh, with earlier times when, uh, uh, well, well, when when these online playing possibilities didn't exist. And uh, another point which makes, I, well, I, actually, uh, Christensen was also a fan of, uh, well, of of of. Uh, uh, the playing online, even if you don't study uh, uh, the, the games afterwards. But uh, one extra is, and I think he mentioned also something like like that, is that uh, the players you meet online, uh, they play also their own openings. And uh, because you play at uh, you, uh, online, you play against players of your own level, uh, which already gives you a lot of information about well, what do players of my level play. And if you just uh, take a book, you mainly see what what uh, uh, well what the world elite players uh, uh, play against your opening. So that's uh, also some extra. Uh, so I think it's a very uh, nice uh, training method. So combining a bit of opening study with uh, online playing, and and and. Uh, okay, I always 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 make this uh, caveat that you also should should do something with those games. If you only have this mentality of uh, uh, well, a new round, new round, new chances. Uh, if you only play and and do nothing with those games, I think the the the, the effect will uh, uh, will be less. But uh, but, but okay. But, yeah. Go. Sorry, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our friends at uh, Chessable. And then I've got another question about openings. Listen up, listeners. This week, I wanted to highlight a free series of courses from Chessable called the On the Attack series by Alan B. What Alan does is he takes a look at different chess pieces, all five attacking chess pieces, the knight, the pawn, the bishop, the rook, and the queen, and he presents tactics from each piece. And in the first chapter, he would present like a one-move tactic, such as a knight fork, and then later on give you a sequence that leads to the same fork. So it's a great way to learn attacking skills using the different pieces. I would particularly recommend it for those rated around 1400 or below. So if that piques your interest, go to chessable.com and download it for free. Great. Okay, back to the interview. So, Willie, what what I what really resonated with me about what you said in the opening section were a couple things. Number one, of course, and this is something that other guests have mentioned, but it really struck a chord with me is that obviously these days when you study openings, you're not just studying openings because often it will go like as as far as the middle and the end game. Um, but the other thing you pointed out was um, 
that you said in particular, if you're within 300 points of your peak, it becomes more important to study openings. So I think because I teach a lot of kids and they're sort of in constant motion, and if they're working hard on their chess, it's possible for them to not be within 300 points of their peak. But for the rest of us, for, for those of us who are adult chess players, uh, I hate to break it to you guys, but we're almost all within 300 points of our peak. And and that got me thinking. And um, it, it did make me think about it more. And of course, this is a big concession for me because I've been um, talking about how people spend a lot of, perhaps too much time in my opinion, although I'll pick your brain later about how much time people should spend studying openings. But um, it got me thinking that it's, I think it's a little stickier to learn openings. Like we're, we talk a lot on this show about just how hard it is to improve as you get older. Mm -hmm. But with openings, it's like, at least you can learn something concrete. You know, because yes. you can you can serve you can solve puzzles for years, but then you still miss the same tactic or I do, you know, at the end of a game that I would have without solving puzzles for years. But whereas if I use if I learn a couple of moves of theory here, a couple of moves of theory there, I might still lose to a blunder some percentage of the time. But the times that I don't screw up, basically, I'll have better positions. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm still, you know, this is such a. a um sort of paradigm shift for me that I still need some time to think about it, but it definitely, it was a very compelling argument. Uh, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, about, uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult question about uh, what you should study. And uh, I, I think that a lot of people have very strong opinions about it. I do have strong opinions about some things, but I, I, I think in, 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 in chess improvement, we don't have much hard science about what what works and and what do, what what doesn't work. So I think I'm all, always very careful uh, at this point. Um, but I think for openings, uh, I, uh, what I mentioned this this feedback uh, uh, relation, uh, this this feedback possibility is very important that you uh, study things. And as you said, it's not only the opening moves, but also the typical tactics and typical uh, strategies that evolve from the openings you play. Uh, that makes it possible uh, because uh, you directly play it and you can have a, a new look, uh, 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 have a new look at them. It's it's a it's the old the the old idea of practice making uh, perfect. Uh, so uh, I think in openings in, in playing online you can. Uh, really directly practice what you studied. Uh, that's, uh, I think, the important uh, uh, point. Uh, but it, it's also a bit because of, uh, I think it's annoying all those people who, who always say, well, don't study the openings and all those, everyone is studying the openings, all those strong players are studying the openings. And it's also a bit patronizing, I guess. Well, that those people who, who themselves are studying the openings uh, say to the others uh, or to the improving players, don't don't waste your time on openings. So that always has, has been a bit, uh, I found it a bit uh, annoying. Uh, but I, I guess if you like it, especially if you like uh, working with databases and with uh, with engines and uh, you like playing online, I think this is a very uh, effective way of, of studying. Uh. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, again, it's a compelling point. I, I think part of the reason I find myself saying, repeating, don't study openings or at least don't study them so much is just I sort of anecdotally get the impression that 
that uh, club level players are often spending maybe more than half their time studying openings, which in my opinion, despite my general rethinking, I think that more than half one's time might be a bit much, but I'm, you know, I'm, I, like you say, the most important thing to me um, in terms of uh, we should all concede off the bat that it's not settled science. Like you say, this stuff is, mm-hmm. is, is it's hard to be test. It's hard to test these things. So we're, we're all sort of guessing. And I certainly don't. I'm I make no claim to, to have a vision to the absolute truth. Um, so, yeah, I'll be rethinking it and I'll be incorporating it sort of in my own study as well. I'll feel because uh, there's always work to be done on one's openings. It's just a question of how much, um, how much time to put into it. So, um, so you've got two grandmaster norms. You're obviously a very strong player and you seem to be maintaining that strength. So, um, regardless of any sort of general philosophical view of studying chess, what do you do yourself, Willie? Uh, well, at, at the moment it's, it's not, not, too much, but uh, actually, I was hoping uh, after finishing this book, I had some plans of playing some tournaments. But well, <laughs> for obvious reasons, uh, this small celebration of of uh, finishing the, uh, a book is, is uh, has come to nothing. But uh, um, uh, so, uh, uh, what I. Uh, do is, is well, and that's nothing special. Uh, today, a lot of people are very busy with tactics, so I do a, I, I do a lot of exercising uh, normally. I like, for example, the puzzles on on leeches. I uh, I can tell a bit more about what, why I like them, but also for me, imp- openings are important. I uh, if I lo- look back at my uh, chess playing life, I think one of the things uh, I did really badly is that I st- uh, I played some very bad openings for a very long time. And, uh, uh, of course, in those days, uh, it wasn't uh, obvious to everybody that, for example, the modern defense wasn't uh, the, the best opening. And especially <laughs> right. the, the way I played the modern defense for sure wasn't uh, the best opening, but I was a bit, a bit uh, stubborn. So uh, I, I held on very long to a limited set of bad openings. Uh, so... Uh, and even today, I uh, well, some years ago, I, and Carl uh, uh, Christensen also mentioned this point that he broadened his opening repertoire, uh, and this is, was something which I had a lot of problems too. When when I played against really strong guys, say a twenty six hundred, they looked at my limited uh, repertoire and they chose chose yeah. uh, one uh, soft spot, and uh, sometimes even with white, I was. Uh, well, not completely helpless, but uh, these games give you a very bad feeling afterwards that, that you haven't uh, been able to pull up a fight, even with white, because I had some, well, not not triple A openings and 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 I, I played them almost exclusively. So it, it was really uh, easy to prepare. Uh, so I think for me, uh, openings is still very important to uh, if I want to make... Uh, well, uh, probably maintain my level because, uh, well, it's it's a very interesting uh, subject. Uh, uh, adult improvement. I see a, a, a lot of your shows uh, deal with this uh, uh, this subject, and I'm I'm very interested in it as well. But uh, yeah, I think you say on your website you may write a book about it at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about that. Yes, for sure. Wow, that would be awesome. <laughs> I, I I encourage with uh with your rigor, you know, it would be great to uh, to sort of yeah. um, get some more perspective on on what works and what doesn't. 
Um, and I know you've worked with uh, some some top young Dutch players. Do you do you coach a lot of uh, adult uh, improvers as well, or is it most? Are you mostly working with talented youth? No, at the moment I'm not doing that much uh, coaching and training. But I also have uh, uh, groups of adults, and I always liked uh, uh, like that a lot. Uh, it's it's very much different. Uh, 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 adults are more generally interested in, in also things like history and and, and exactly uh, yeah and theory and philosophy and psychology, uh, which which uh, that's very rewarding. But of course, uh, uh, children well they pick up things a bit a uh, little bit quicker than uh, right. than adults. So, but with adults, is very often I have uh, well I have a group. We have a session, uh, uh, say two three hours, and it's also having a nice uh, way of spending your evening on chess in in a, in a different way. Yeah. And I have a lot of uh, well adults in in these courses who also well are there for the, uh, the enjoyment and just. Uh, uh, enjoying some good chess uh, together and talking about chess, and uh, although they all have the idea of maybe some some improvement, it's also a nice way of uh, spending your evening, and that's uh, yeah, that's a good perspective. I yeah, think. that's uh, there's a difference. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned doing solving Lee chess puzzles, and you mentioned in your books, of course, that that solving tactics is unequivocally important, and not just tactics, solving puzzles, repeating patterns, because it can be positional type puzzles, as you sometimes mm -hmm. present in your books as well. Um, so, what's your general opinion? We've had a, a a lot of talk recently on the show about like uh, the woodpecker method and spaced repetition, and the idea of not just solving puzzles, but especially as an adult when it's harder to uh, assimilate patterns, repeating mm -hmm. them. Um, mm -hmm. How important do you think that is as a, as a training tool? Well, as, as we mentioned, I think it, it sounds interesting, but it, it's really difficult to, to do any empirical research on it. Or maybe it's not, not directly dif difficult. You can think of ways of empirically uh, testing this, what's the best way to improve. But it's, it's just will be an enormous research with... Well, 100 players in this group, 100 players in that group, and you have to follow them for maybe one or two years. So it becomes immense and very expensive. So in chess, we still have to rely on, well, your own impressions of what works. So uh, I can say that the idea look, sounds interesting, but, uh, uh, well, and, and, and some probably claim, well, it worked well for me. And that's, of course, some evidence. It's not... Uh, what you can call really, really hard science evidence, but of course, if there's nothing else, you you have to uh, you have to go with that. Uh, but I think there will the, the the in future there will be a lot of developments on this uh, uh, on this issue. I, I think also about uh, say software that is uh, becoming more and more adaptive, uh, so it it uh, adjusts to what you. Uh, uh, not only to the level you're performing on. Well, I think may, most uh, most online tactical puzzle uh, 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 puzzle servers are uh, uh, they they all, of course, uh, raise the level when you're doing good. But you can uh, imagine there are all kinds of ways to to uh, uh, to adjust to uh, to what you're doing and. Also, for example, Lee Chess is a community with a lot of players. You can also link uh, what someone does with those puzzles to his uh, strength and to uh, 
to how he develops in, in his online playing. So I think there's a lot of uh, possibilities for uh, uh, smart software, uh, uh, well, smart software to to become more and more adaptive and bring more and more information in all kinds of different uh, sorts of information that will make this uh, this tactical uh, tactic solving much more effective. I think this well. I'm not. I'm not that an expert on on this uh, in this area. I I, uh, I, uh, I also listened to your show with um, uh, what uh, I think uh, Levi Rossman. Oh yeah. And uh, well, uh, for me, he was some a bit someone from another planet uh, with all this, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, uh, yeah. all the, this uh, today's live uh, uh, live broadcasting and uh, so. I'm not not really the guy to ask about what modern t technology will bring uh, on uh, at this point, but but I think it will will be quite something. Uh, but I think it's a, it's an educated guess that a lot of people share that the tactic solving is really uh, important. And okay, the idea of this this uh, uh, spaced repetition probably makes sense as well. Uh, yeah. I, I've only interviewed one cognitive scientist for the show. That was a uh, USCF master, Christopher Chabri. And he, he sort of vouched for it as being, you know, at the vanguard of the research in terms of um, both, uh, obviously we're applying it to chess, but in terms of like language assimilation and learning mm -hmm. to play instruments and stuff like that, the, the research looks promising. So again, I, I don't consider it settled, but yeah. I, it does suggest a few things point in that direction. And I did see in your reading, in your writing, I think you mentioned. I uh, forgive me if I'm getting the wrong tactics book, but you said one of the most beneficial tactics books you ever did was it the Encyclopedia of Chess Combinations or some? It was something like that. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, that's not because it's such a good book, but it was the only one. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> back in the, the time, day, yeah. it was one of the first books. Yeah, it made me. Uh, it really helped a lot for me. But uh, I think uh, I I thought about uh, writing about this book and uh, have a, a, another look at it because I this is of way before engine times, so there were a lot of uh, incorrect uh, puzzles in it and. Uh, well, there's a lot to say about it, this book, but uh, I, I think uh, some, something like 2,000 puzzles in it. So at the time, it was really a, a big puzzle book, and uh, it helped me a lot. It was uh, in, in in my book on the origin of good moves. I I make this comparison with what uh, the people in the old days did uh, at tactics and nowadays, and I started somewhere in between. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, and this book, this uh, encyclopedia of uh, chess combinations, was I think one of the first and biggest book with with a lot of combinations. And I worked through it, and uh, well, it helped me a lot. But uh, especially if you look at at the old days, at people like Steinitz, and uh, they they had almost no uh, uh, no way to practice uh, the tactics. Uh, I mentioned somewhere in my book that that, that I guess that uh, to uh, Nowadays, there are players who solve more tactics in one day than Steinitz did in his entire life, and that's uh, that's no ex exaggeration, I, I, I guess. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting, and yeah, I think you also make a similar point with regard to just the number of games played, like uh, yeah, yeah. just the number of games of chess that have been played in human history. So between people, as you say, replicating uh, so much, and um, the the advent of stronger and stronger computers. 
it, it'll be interesting to see how chess uh, con continues to evolve. Mm -hmm. um, so with with regard to this um, Encyclopedia of Chess Combinations, did you, did you just do the book once or did you uh, did you come back to it again and again? No, I think I did it once. Yes. Okay, so no space repetition for you. No, at that no, no. Point. well, I think that idea wasn't uh, very known. Yeah, no, but that I think, idea... Uh, I, th I think the, the suggestion you just made is to look at other fields, uh, like uh, learning a language or learning to play an instrument. I think that's very uh, important. I, I, it's good for chess players to look, uh, uh, look in a bit broader uh, perspective. Um, because also I think in if you, uh, looking at how we learn language, I think it's much more uh, it resembles more what I think we uh, uh, the way we learn chess than than what some uh, more conventional views are of of learning uh, learning chess. But uh, go ahead. Uh, I was. Uh, well, I just wanted to um, to probe you a little bit more on the topic of, of aging because you do seem, I mean, you say that I, I know this book was a huge undertaking, so I'm sure it's been keeping you busy, but just to sort of, to even maintain your strength um, into your 50s, it impresses me. Um, so I'm just curious if you do notice changes, like you said, you've had to revamp your repertoire, but in terms of your ability to compete, what, what do you notice has changed uh, uh, over the years? Well, I think... I'm, I'm uh, one of the ideas. I'm not not willing to give away too much of it. <laughs> oh no, you're a trainer. You gotta I, give it away. I think uh, uh, one uh, what is uh, uh, something interesting is that it's really difficult to. Uh, uh, well, it's an important point in my first book as well. Uh, we are not made of for looking in our own mind. We our eyes are directed outwards. It's really difficult uh, uh, to to uh, to see what's happening in your own mind. We are not very well uh, equipped to uh, to uh, look at the, at our own minds. And I also think we are not good equipped to uh, to detect if we are uh, uh, moving forward or maybe moving backward. Uh, it's very helpful for us that we have our uh, our rating system. So uh, we have uh, very good figures that can show us that we are declining. Uh, so that's very helpful. But it's uh, really difficult, I think, to uh, to look at yourself and and notice those maybe very small changes over the years. And it, it's correct that I at the moment I have a fairly high rating. But I all, uh, if you read my books, you you can see that I also also uh, think that the chance is a very important concept, and yeah. there, there are a lot of things happening uh, uh, that do not have uh, to be uh, uh, explained. Yeah, have a lot of explanation, and I think uh, there's some not natural. Uh, you, sometimes you rise a bit, and sometimes you drop, and that might have it might have a reason, but it can also be just normal. Uh, the normal uh, way of uh, yeah, like when I interviewed down, and yeah, uh, so like uh, you mentioned the Cor Christensen interview, and I obviously I I'm, he's a great guy, and I found his story very inspiring. But I doubt that like when he dropped to twenty two hundred, I doubt that he had forgotten every anything. You know, of he, course he, he already was a strong player. That's uh, yeah, yeah, and he'd been over twenty three hundred, so yeah. he he had a bad streak, and it's amazing that yeah. he was able to pull himself up two hundred points from from that level 
but yeah. that that nadir may not have been the best representation of yeah. his strength to yeah, begin it, with it, it, it still is impressive uh, what he did but exactly yeah you also use i think this phrase a few times like a uh, fighting nature i think i, I yeah, yeah. Said. and that's something real that's <laughs> yeah it does exist and i can say uh, i can say well now i still uh, i still have a nice rating and i'm going to explain you what uh, what is my secret uh, what i <laughs> but uh, but i have no answer to this i uh, well, it does sound like, I mean, I'm sure this book was keeping you busy. And I think the, the material presented is at a high enough level that um, it would keep you engaged in, in, you know, the neurons would still be firing in terms of calculating yeah. and stuff as you look at the material. Do you do you play chess? Are, are you playing blitz every day or not necessarily? Like, how involved are you in chess on a day to day basis? Like independent of the book. Well, I'm always busy, of course, with chess and online, uh, online playing. Well, I try to... Uh not play too much but right. <laughs> okay i'll i'll, I'll lay i've laid out those ideas about about what i think if you you have ambition the how you should deal with online playing and you should be serious and take uh, always uh, look back at your games and uh, say for example a, a tactical sc scan should be the minimum you you should do in all those those online games but uh I not all, sometimes I fail to uh, keep up with this those uh, good uh, hmm. uh, those uh, yeah uh, you talk about being uh, some occasionally being prone to late nights with uh bl blitz and a drink yeah, yeah, or well, something like yeah. that yeah I do have I, my bad moments I I can, I can certainly <laughs> and I can uh, I can relate <laughs> okay so uh, but uh, actually I haven't been playing that much uh, lately uh, so uh, for more than a year, I haven't lost a game, but uh, it's only 20 games, and uh, now it's still it's even uh, automatically this period is becoming longer and longer. So uh, <laughs> right, I yeah. have my own streak of uh, of not losing games. But uh, um, well, I I'm still I'm looking uh, because of maybe the the book I want uh, next book I'm I want to write uh, for my own little projects to to. Uh, uh, to combine uh, writing this book with, but I'm not uh, entirely sure what it uh, what it's going to look like. But it sure also has to do with uh, with online playing. I uh, I very much like this idea of uh, studying through online playing. And well, now we have to we are looking towards the danger that this online playing will be or or only yeah. playing uh, for quite some time. So. Uh, uh, yeah, well, but, I'm, when I'm look, but it's uh, at the moment there's so much online chess going on, and it's really changing a bit uh, the chess world a bit, I guess. So, I'm I'm not uh, entirely clear about how I I'm gonna deal with that, uh, both for my own project and and maybe for the for the what I wanna want to write about. Uh. Okay, well, whenever you've got something ready, I would love to talk to you about it again, Willie. This is this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm. I would be happy to. Uh... Great. And how many years in the making was on the origin of good moves? I mean, it's a. It strikes me as a very ambitious book. Well, the hard writing part was was, uh, I guess, uh, almost two years. But the uh, uh, the studying has, of course, been uh, going on for uh, for a bit longer. But uh... right. 
Excellent. Well, Willie, if um if anyone who enjoyed this interview or has some uh hopefully constructive or polite, although you say you welcome all feedback. So if there's yeah. anyone who would like to to reach out to you or continue the dialogue, is there a preferred way for them to do that? Yeah, well, I I have my own website. There's not that much on it, but I I intend to know it now and then if if I encounter something interesting, maybe I write a small article about that. So maybe a bit blog blog like, uh, 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 but uh, and also on my site uh, there is also my my mail address uh, uh, to react on and my uh, the my website address is very simple. The name of my first uh, book. So it's uh, movefirstthinklater.com. So anyone who likes to react, you can uh, can look look at my website, and there's also a contact and an e- email. Uh, so everyone is welcome to. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, and I'll I'll put a link to that for anyone who's on the go. Um, any anything else, Willie, that you, that you would like to get out there before we let you go? I really appreciate it, and really, as I anticipated, I have enjoyed this conversation. Well, uh, I I have the feeling I uh, it only started yet this, uh, so I don't. Uh, it, it is a huge list of things I maybe um, we could discuss about, but I I've, I agree. I it was a very interesting uh, conversation, and especially also this this adult improving uh, issue, which which you also uh, discuss in a lot of other other episodes of of the podcast. I think that that's uh, something that. Uh, well, maybe in the future uh, is a nice subject to uh, to to meet again on. Uh... Excellent, yeah. We don't have to wait for another book. I would be, <laughs> I would be okay. happy to talk to you sooner. Um, so thanks so much. Yeah, this has been really interesting. And again, listeners, uh, the new book is on the origin of good moves. The first one is Move First, Think Later. I, you know, I unequivocally recommend them both. Um, so check them out and um, and reach out to to Willie if you're interested. So thank you again. I am Hendricks, and uh, have a good night and be safe. Thank you very much, Ben. Special thanks, as always, to my producer, Matthew Passy, and thanks to those who continue to help spread the word about Perpetual Chess. Positive reviews on podcast platforms and YouTube help people discover the show, as does telling a friend or sharing it on social media. Speaking of which, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Beneficial1, or join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group and continue the conversation about the latest interview. But most of all, of course, I want to thank those who provide financial support to the show, especially right now with so much disruption going on in the world. Most of all, I want to thank Chessable for sponsoring the show and to everyone who kicks in via PayPal or the Perpetual Chess Patreon page to help sustain and improve Perpetual Chess. And without further ado, I would like to give special thanks to the following people and entities. Chessable, Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, Apprentice Chess Twitch Channel, Andrew Alharjri, Andrew Bach, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, Chris Flanagan, Dan O'Hanlon, Danny Davidson, David Driver, I am Dimitri Schneider, I am Eric Rosen, Faraz Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Greg Natal, Greg Shahadi, Guven Manet, James Kennedy, Jen Scream, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John Cromarty, John MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, Lucio Casada Silva, the law offices of Stuart Katz, Michael Kahn, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Moonmaster9000, you recently stopped your pledge, but Perpetual Chess will always love you. The famous Mr. Dodgy, Peter Zhodi, Reuven Fisher, Seattle Chess Club, Thomas Stonix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryan of Strong Chess, Todd Kennedy, and I also would like to thank the following people. Aaron Waffler, Ace Viega, 
Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, FM Andre Terakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Anidi Deer, Better Chess Training, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Mullis, Chad Hilton, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Chris Lott, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Costa Carras, Courtney Fry, Craig Malin, Daniel Gell, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Lucas of U.S. Chess, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Blaskacek, David Cramley of Chessable.com, Daylin Shelton, Dirk Decker, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ethan Smith, Ian Mason, I am elect Donnie Ariel, or possible not I am elect, Fox Valley Chess Club, Francis Letarte Lavoie, Frank Tortoris, MD, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelt, Gerard Barter, Giovanni Russo, Greg Harfst, Han Schut, Harish Srinivasan, Jacob Kovach, Jacques Pari, James Aspinwall, James Banastia, James Murr, Jason Woolham, JD Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Holland, Jerry Wells, Jim Ratliff, JJ Schnod, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman, John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, Jordan Goodwin, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, Jen Shahadi, Joe Rocky, John Thompson, Grandmaster Josh Friedel, I am Kare Christensen, WGM Katerina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovutsky, Krishna Kapala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Ryforth, Laura Beljowski, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Passy, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, the Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Miguel Araspidi, Mike Clem, Mr. Mike Shahadi, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Salin, Neil Bruce, Negmat Malajanov, Olaf Mueller-Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Posse Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Randall Temple, Ricky Grahava, Richard Hollenbuck, Robert Turner, Roy Yearwood, Ryan Berg, the Say Chess YouTube channel, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Sebastian Finsterwalder, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatyav Abrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tom Edsel, Tomas Kolmanich, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, Wayne Beam, William Brock, William Juniper, William Hogarth, William Peterson, FM Zhao Cheng of Chess1000.com, and last but never least, Zivko Stoyanov. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch you guys soon. Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.